Welcome to Pirate Living Podcast. We're your hosts, Karan and Kristen. On this podcast, we're highlighting ordinary people living extraordinary lives. These are pirates who take small, bold actions daily to create social change. Pirate life is all about rebelling and breaking the rules for good. Creating lasting social change starts by first breaking our inner rules. After all, the hardest rules to break are your own. The pirates we highlight have dedicated themselves to creating good trouble. Today, we are sitting down to chat with Clint Lockoff, who we know better as Coach Clint. Clint is a high-performance tennis coach who helps his athletes maximize their potential so they can be successful both on and off the courts. Clint guides athletes and parents to align their dreams and goals along with the coach's expectations. And Clint, Clint is also a level three and lifted coach, which is largely how Karan and I have met him. So we're, we're glad to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to, uh, to be chatting with you. This has been a long time coming. I believe I started asking you before we even went live. So. <laughs> <laughs> you, you did, you did. And, uh, uh, I, intentionally blew you off <laughs> in your phase of too many yeses <laughs> it, it exactly was too many yeses and um, at the time I'd been on a couple podcasts and uh, the question of like where can people find you or what do you mm-hmm. got going it was like oh this is about to happen this is mm-hmm. so uh, I was like you know what I'm done I'm gonna get stuff going before I say yes to anything else mm-hmm. Fair enough. And we're glad we're, we're glad we're here today. <laughs> so when, when we met you, um, a couple of years back, like Karan met you in strong coach, I met you through and lifted we're early on, on our pirate journeys, our paths ourselves. So we want to know what started you on your own journey and which led you here today. Um, this journey started uh, in 2018. Um, I'd been out of the Marine Corps for 11 years and had cut ties with the military, hadn't kept track of anyone. And I found out one of, uh, one of my buddies, someone I was really close to, um, had died. And, um, uh, it happened in the summer that Thanksgiving, a bunch of us got together to, um, do a hell and farewell, record it for his four-year-old son. Um, it was a, it was a, uh, a way to give a piece of buck to his son. And during that time, um, that whole weekend reconnecting with those guys, it changed my perspective of what my military was. And then looking at some of the stuff these guys were accomplishing, um, I didn't feel like I belonged in that room. Um, fast forward a month, literally a month, um, and Shane Hines from On It um, sends me a, an email inviting me to be part of a filming project. And I'm like, uh, I'm not very photogenic. You sure you want me on this project? And uh, are you sure you're, you're asking the right guy? And his response back was, uh, yes, I know exactly who I'm asking. I want you. Are you available? And so got on the, the filming project. And it's another amazing room of people. And I'm looking around and didn't feel like I was adding to the room. Um, At the same time, that's how I got introduced to the strong coach. Leo and Serena had had launched Still Mace Flow. Um, I pulled Leo aside. I was like, hey, man, what's the difference? And he just smiled, shook his head and said, strong coach. Um, 
John Wolf made a couple comments to Serena about strong coach. She was in class one um, and class one or two pretty early on. And um, so I was like, fuck it. Like <laughs> I signed up. I signed up with the intention of uh, leaving high school, um, changing jobs. Halfway through there, the language piece, um, the words that we get combined, like uh, service and sacrifice really resonated with me. Mm -hmm. um, the other one, um, uh, integrity and responsibility. And I realized what I wasn't happy with in school, I hadn't taken to the, the people that could actually make changes. So in the middle of the strong coach program, my goals flipped from leaving school to making it exactly what I wanted and uh, sat down with my, my principal, laid it out. My classes changed, um, uh, had a deal where I'm managing the, the facilities and stuck with being in, in a high school teacher for another two years. At the same time, like I fell in love with the language piece. And so the way of the unlifted athlete with, with Mark, um, Mark England and Mike Bledsoe, um, really resonated with me. I bought vocabulary, uh, went through that, and um, had an offer to be in like and lifted, you know, level one, class three. And that thirty-minute conversation with Mark, um, like it was an interview, me interviewing him, uh, making sure that this was an organization I wanted to be a part of, a vision I wanted to be a part of, and it was a, a hard yes. And so um, from 2019 to, to today, I've been all in on the, the language piece. Um, left high school to uh, build my own mindset business to go back to school myself, and uh, that's where I where I'm at on this this pirate journey or this chapter of it. Hmm. So tell us a little bit more about what you're what you're doing now. So. Um, I'm in graduate school working on a uh, master's of leadership and organizational development. Um, the specialization is in consulting. And so the consulting business I'm building is a uh, youth athlete mindset, parent information and coach education combined. And so the goal is to bring this package to existing organizations, existing clubs to create alignment between athletes, parents, and coaches. Um, and when I laid this out to my, my professor, he was so like excited about the idea. One of his points of pride is the number of students that have gone on to build consulting businesses through the program. So you know, I'm in my third, third class now, <laughs> mm -hmm. and everyone has been um, in building this business. How just kind of going back to what you said about like we're talking about uh what's the term is it collapse distinction um with service and sacrifice oh, the, yes. the marrying of those um how like what was the process of changing that for you and how is that oh we lost oh uh, lost lost karan ah <laughs> so so yeah, what man. i heard was what was what was the uh the process um um didn't hear the second part but I've been fired from free tennis lessons. And so, um, and 
I was very much in a scarcity mindset at that time. And I felt like in order for me to be provide a service and to, to care about uh, my students and to care about their families, that there had to be some sort of sacrifice on my, on my part, that it didn't feel right to, to enjoy what I was doing, care about these people and charge what I was worth. And then hearing service and sacrifice and, and uh, filling my own cup. And in order to be show up as a, a coach as fully as possible, um, I had to charge. And so that was a, that was a switch that was flipped there. Um, the other piece was the, the military, um, you know, thank you for your service. I heard, thank you for your sacrifice. And, and, um, you know, it's the journaling exercise on separating service and sacrifice was those two things. One being willing to charge what I want, being willing to, to, um, care for students and, you know, be of service, not sacrifice. And you come from two, two great backgrounds that um, service and sacrifice is like they're married together, like teaching and military, both like I, the view, the overall view of most people in those industries is I can only be of service if I am sacrificing. So that, yeah, that I imagine would be quite the unraveling too to get into those and be able to separate them out. And as it was unraveling, I felt lighter. And for a 280-pound dude, like feeling lighter is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with what you're doing now, what, what social rebellion would you say that you either have started or are looking to start with, with your work? So... Um, being a huge fan of your podcast, I knew this was coming. <laughs> um, and, and so there's, there's three, actually. One is, one is for myself. One is for me to, to be free. Uh, and that is, that is doing what I want because I want to do it and not doing things because I have to do them. Um, the, the biggest one, the one that's going to be the rebellion that I'm, I'm going to fight for um, for a very long time is empowering kids. Um, the idea of, of giving them as much control now over their schedule, over their coaching, over their you know, hopes and dreams. Um, and then a piece of that is coaches owning athletes. Just the term of that's my athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, um, if coaches let go of that ownership, then what ends up happening is they're of service to their athletes. <laughs> they're not, um, their identity isn't tied up in the athlete's success. And um, I used to be a huge problem for me. Um, people ask if I had any kids. I'm like, nope, got a hundred. I have a hundred <laughs> kids. And um, for some parents, they, they liked that they like that idea of me feeling like I was their parent or I had that that type of connection. But what that did is is it, it intertwined that service and sacrifice. Mm-hmm. 
what you're saying too is a good point. Um, parents, I mean, I, <laughs> I also, as a teacher, parents would be like, do you have kids? I'm like, um, all of yours, <laughs> I take care of them all day long and I want to go home and not have that. Um, so there's, I, I hear that and, and parents so also do, do that as well. Like my, my kid and letting their identity get wrapped up in their kid. And I've met a few parents recently along the way that are like this child, I'm a guide to this child. Like they've been gifted to be in my life for about 18 years. I mean, longer because they'll still come back to me, but I'm to guide them for 18 years until they're secure in like leaving the nest. And then uh, what the goal is, is that they're independent human beings that go off and they have the tools that they need in order to navigate through the world. So I can see it too with, well, and what you're doing with parents too, um, helping the student get their independence with both their coaches and their parents. But yeah, I can see how being able to create that and be like, oh, I'm, I don't belong to these people, but I am my own person and, and they're helping guide me so that I can get the right tools. So you, okay, hopefully you can hear me. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> so you mentioned that like you're doing this graduate program, but why don't you tell us about some of the uh, bold actions that mm -hmm. you've been taking to get you here? So um, the biggest was leaving school in the middle of a pandemic. So, so um, and making, making that decision, um, I'd been back and forth on it for years. So every, every, every time there was a reason to move on and, and go forward, then something at school would make me like open my eyes and go, no, I'm in a good place. I'm, I'm you know, for every one reason to go, there were two or three reasons to stay. And until like in this pandemic, um, there was so much fear around being around people and being around each other. And then, and then there were so many limitations put on, on teachers that the day I got COVID, I was also asked, um, how are you going to accommodate this player that doesn't want to go in the weight room? Like, well, the whole tennis team's not going to go in the weight room that's what I'm going to do. Like, uh, there's not going to be any optional stuff. We're going to, so for the rest of the season, um, it's pretty early on in the season. And I was going to taper down anyway. They're just like, the rest of the season, we're not going. And when I got off the phone on the way to get tested, like in my head, I'm just like, I'm so fucking done. I'm, I'm really done this time. And then instantly one breath. And I was like, okay, if I'm done, then what am I starting? And um, I got online, looked to see what the, the remainder of my GI Bill benefits were. And I had, from that point in time, I had 16 months to use up 12 months or they just went away. I was like, oh, this was supposed to happen right now. <laughs> I called uh, my, my previous uh, you know, college coach. I was like, hey, uh, that grad assistant position still there? Is Gil the... Is he going to graduate? And will there be an opening? He's like, man, I'm done with graduate assistance. I go, well, what about me? He's like, really? Come on. <laughs> so, so the bold action was taking a, a moment of, and literally a moment of true frustration, and then having the skills to flip it 
and then acting on acting on that idea. Yeah. And so being in school now, being a graduate assistant tennis coach, um, having the, the opportunity to run the tennis team through um, story work sessions. And so I've been explaining vocabulary, mark, and lifted, um, you know, to the head coach. And uh, my take on story work is, is an athlete mindset and an athlete mindset series. And I've been going through that with the, the tennis team. And so it's been a huge opportunity to have, um, you know, get those sessions done, um, connect with the players in that way. Um, yeah, it's been, a, been amazing. How has the story work stuff been received? It, so I only call it story work to other coaches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's mindset. Um, it's been hit or miss. So the, the first session starts with where are you feeling the most confident? Where are you feeling the most stuck? And then writing that out and something, something comes up from there. And uh, there's some of the, the athletes that are really buying in and want that next session. And then there's some, they're like, eh, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> and so uh, the other piece is I, I'm, I'm recognizing I'm having the same conversations about um, the language pieces. Mm-hmm. So, so figuring out a way to automate that where they're not getting the, the full, full three week vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Um, so. But it's, it's been really cool seeing the athletes that it resonates with. Yeah. That's, I, oh, go okay. ahead, Karan. <laughs> okay, I do with my nutrition clients, and I would say it's the same thing. Um, there are some people that the the story work just, and I call it mindset as well. Um, that the story work just takes them to like at a whole other level. Um, and then yeah, some people seem a little resistant to it, so I back off and and you know we don't dive as deep, but the stuff that we have uncovered with people that we dig into it has been like amazing. And to see their growth of the people that like, that want to go in all in on, on the story work and, and digging deep has been, has been awesome. No, it has. And then uh, what I do on that first session is, is end with a series of mantras or power phrases or affirmations, whatever, whatever phrase they like best. Um, but end with three to nine that that they've chosen throughout the session and that they're writing down, they breathe into, and then following up a few days later. And it seems the, the athletes that have, have the affirmations written down are also the ones that are more likely to get that second and third call scheduled. And the ones that don't say, okay, cool. Just let me know when you do. And then no pressure on, on my part. So Mm -hmm. from there on. There, um, like Clint, you and I have talked in the past too, where you were teaching vocab or showing vocabulary to your athletes when you were teaching. And, um, with that, they were like, oh, this is for older people, like watching Mark and listening to some of the things that he would say. So I'm curious, um, how are you adapting with what you're doing right now without the full three weeks vocabulary? Like what have you taken from it and how have you adapted it to be more relevant to the teenagers? So the first part is as a group, just introducing, um, architect and conflict language and, and 
literally calling it that architect and conflict language, um, focusing on affirmations and negations and soft talk and solid talk and holding off on projections, like just touch on projection and reflection, but focusing on the, the affirmation negation part first. And then from there, um, in the individual calls, as it pops up, like pulling a light out and then going through a translation, going through a direct translation from um, conflict architect. And then from there, um, you know, asking for accuracy. Is this, you know, building on, building on that translation. <laughs> Sometimes I watch Quran and I'm like, I think she's going to say something. And then well, neither of us say anything. And it's like, okay. <laughs> I'm scared to say anything right now. I feel like every time I talk, I freeze. And I'm oh, like, I don't even, I don't even know if you hear me. <laughs> It's, brave, we haven't, I know we haven't had a Wi-Fi Wednesday in a long time. So it's true. today it's me. <laughs> um, so what um, we talk a lot on here about good trouble. So what does good trouble mean to you? And, and what are you doing to cause good trouble lately? Um, lately, not much. <laughs> uh, last school year, last school year, um, I have a leadership, had a leadership council on the high school team. It was any junior or senior that wanted to be a part of it and participated. So, so out of uh, a 32 kid team, I had nine kids on the leadership council and our book was um, how to be more pirate. And so that was our, that was our book study. And um, I started seeing them being pirate to me. And I'm just like, okay, <laughs> I can't be too mad at this. I've created this. So, uh, uh, but I loved the idea of 16, 17 year olds, you know, in high school learning this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'd said it to them a couple times that the goal of this isn't about right now. The goal of this is for you guys to crush your 20s. Like how many, how many 20 year olds out there are like crushing it right now? Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's very many, uh, especially like in this time where there's a lot of fear, a lot of scarcity, a lot of, a lot of transitioning to online. Uh, so, so that's, that's, I consider that the good trouble. <laughs> I'm curious, what things were they doing that were pirates to you? <laughs> um, it was it was a little bit of organizing. Mm. Uh, I, I think the the weight room piece was was part of it, <laughs> <laughs> um, and and the the one on one conversations. Um, I realized, like, oh. They're wanting to cause trouble on good trouble mm. on campus. They're wanting, I'm like, man, like I'm going to, I'm going to be answering questions to some people here shortly. So. <laughs> well, and teenagers are fun because they're very idealistic and which is, I mean, it's great. We need them to learn from them because they are like, they're all about how can we make the world a better place? And they haven't yet been too jaded by like, it's so hard to make the world a better place. 
Um, so to listen to their conversations, two teenagers are usually like, yeah, let's do this. Like we can change the world. Let's mm -hmm. take it on. And they, they very likely <laughs> just be like, we don't like anything about school. <laughs> We're going to protest. <laughs> we want these changes because it, and it's great. And they also need people to guide them to be like, take that down a few notches. You're being way too pirate right now. <laughs> no one's going to listen. <laughs> in, in one of my weightlifting classes, um, you know, kids, kids are into drop shifting, drop shipping and, and, you know, buying the, buying stuff online and flipping it. And uh, one kid that usually did stuff every, every time, like coach, I'm not lifting today. I'm like, what? Like, well, yeah, you are. He's like, no, I'm in thousand dollar shoes. And I'm like, what? He goes, I go, why are you in thousand dollar shoes? He goes, because I can't. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, fair enough. And like, explain this to me. He goes, well, I bought them for, they were some brand of Jordans, brand new. He goes, if I wear them once, I can still sell them as new. Like, I'm going to sell them for 900 or a thousand bucks. And it just blew my mind that, okay. This kid is worldly enough, taking action on this stuff and struggling in school, yet there's no doubt in my mind he's going to be successful. Like, you know, like he's, and so it, it, it caused me to really look at what, what we valued in school. Yeah. Sounds like he is uh, quite the entrepreneurial spirit, <laughs> that young youngster. <laughs> oh man, I, a lot of the guys in that class were. Um, I guess uh, Supreme would have a drop one day a month, and and like these guys would be like, "We're going to be a few minutes late." There's ten of them out in the hall. Credit card infos, like cut and pasted in a in a in a note on their phone, ready to buy whatever size of whatever thing came out, just so that they could flip it you know they could sell their confirmation for for more than what they bought it for mm -hmm. and and all within a matter of, of minutes and um, just like wow <laughs> wish i was plugged into the <laughs> here we are working like suckers <laughs> so you've yeah on your journey you've gone through like a lot of questioning of things so what are and and i'm guessing with the athletes too like they need you get to teach them how to ask some uncomfortable questions so what are some either some of the questions you've asked yourself along the way or some that you've been teaching your athletes to teach or to ask not to teach but they can teach them too <laughs> um the questions i've been been asking myself are how do I live up to, to my values? And so um, I have um, principles that I had had in place um, before ever going on this journey. But since then, I've switched it to basically a, a pirate code. And so um, be free, move forward, and do good. And am I, am I doing those things? Um, with athletes, um, and specifically the athletes I'm working with now, um, confidence is a is a huge thing. Um, so confidence, um, you know, on the court, confidence in school, confidence with friends. Um, one athlete believes uh, they're good enough to be a professional, yet they're asking 
friends and family if they should pursue being a professional. And so um, the conversation that I had with him was, you know, went through, went through um, a story. And at the end of the story, I'm like, so what does this mean about you? It's like, oh, it means I get stuff done. It means, it means, he goes, it means I'm a fucking beast. <laughs> I go, okay, cool. I go, how many beasts are you asking for, for advice? And he like, it like, eyes got big and bags up. No one. Like, there's no one, like, I would consider, like, cool. Their answers. Are their answers for you or are their answers about them? Are they validating the decisions they made in the past? Or they wish advising you to take risks because they didn't? And they wish they had. And so instead of asking, should I do this or this? Say, I'm doing this. How do I make money while I'm doing this? I'm doing this. How do I like make it specific? And then ask the people that are making money. Ask the people who are doing things. Um, and so that's, <laughs> I feel like I went on a tangent there, but that's, uh, that, that's the question we've been asking lately. We like tangents. Mm-hmm. That's a good tangent. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I I'm working with um, a musician right now, and uh, one of the questions I asked her was, "What does success look like for you in your field?" Because we've been talking about um, she works at another place doing getting supplemental income, and we talked about like how can we get supplemental income in a related field, and then just that question of what does success look like like financially as a musician and you know that's her her current homework assignment for next time we talk because she's like I have no idea I'm like how much money do you want to make she's like I don't know I never thought about the money um so sometimes we have to ask these questions like as we kind of grind along trying to reach these like these paths like we need to have a, a a view of what success actually looks like rather than just the day-to-day grind. So I, I resonate with what you just said with, you know, the fact that we get to determine what success actually looks like for us when we, when we hit it. How do we know when we've hit it? <laughs> or do we just keep, keep going, right? There was also some, some fear around money. And, and um, you know, he has, he has some money set aside, money that he's made from investments. And uh, I'm like, okay, well, at some point you had a thousand dollars in your account. What happened when you spent a thousand? He's like, oh, it went down to nothing. I was like, no, before you spent a thousand, you put more in. Like once you started saving, you never let it get down to zero. At some point you, you, you put more in. So if you have a hundred thousand now or whatever that number is, before you spend that amount, you're going to put more in. And so by the time you spend a hundred thousand, you might've made two or three and, and looking at it, looking at it that way, like I just saw this like sigh of relief, mm. you know, like, so, so connecting that with success, a lot of times success is, is a dollar amount in the, in the bank account uh, until you reach that dollar amount. Mm-hmm. And then there's fear on, on losing that, using that, um, using that up, but if you look at what your trend is to get there, 
that trend is going to continue. Mm-hmm. Wish I had that as a, a teenager. First of all, <laughs> like I knew enough about like I want, I should be saving some money. I should like do do these different things, and I also learn to, cont- I, I would keep money. However, it'd be a low, low amount. So <laughs> to the point when I graduated college, um, my sister flew me out to India. I had $200 in my bank account. Like I just graduated college, really should have been taking a job, but she wanted me to come see her. So she helped me get out there $200 for eight weeks <laughs> that I made. And I get back to the States and I'm living with my parents. I'm like, I have zero dollars to get fingerprinted or pay to be a substitute teacher. Like I need money in order to make money. <laughs> so to even be able to be a, a teenager with a thousand dollars in my bank account, I would have had a great start. <laughs> this is one of the, the college athletes and uh, like he's, he's uh, a semester away from getting his master's. Mm-hmm. So it's a little, little bit older, a little bit older guy. Yeah. Still still. The same. <laughs> yeah. like just having that information would have most likely helped me change my mindset enough to save a little more too (laughs) so is there um programs that you're offering is all through the school or the graduate program or do you have programs that like are regular people can join (laughs) so so um what I'm doing is I'm selling a performance mindset series. Mm-hmm. And so, and so what this is, it's four athletes. It's, it's six calls and inside there, um, they define their, their goals. Parents are included in the conversation. So on call three or four, um, parents are pulled into the conversation, um, uh, about the roles that, that they're playing as far as supporting the athlete, both in competition and at home. Um, and before um, parents are pulled in, the athletes have also considered how the role that they're playing in their parents' lives. Um, the, the program wraps up with the same page. And so what the same page is, is the athlete's goals, uh, the parents' roles that are defined by the athlete and, and um, agreed upon by the parents, all the coaches that they're working with, their cell phone number, and the main area of focus. And so what this same page does, um, it's meant to empower the athlete to create alignment in their life. And so one athlete, um, one high school athlete that uh, um, went through this with, um, she was like, man, there's no way I'm giving this to my high school coach. Like he's gonna laugh me out of the room. Like, cool. But what if you gave it to your private coach? She's like, oh, I go, what if, what if, your private coach called your high school coach and asked, you know, what he wanted y'all to work on. Like, wouldn't that make your life easier? And she's like, De- definitely yes. And so the idea is just by creating the list, um, if the athletes empowered to start the conversation if they want to. And so the performance mindset, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so the performance mindset series is six calls. It's all in the Google Doc. Um, it's, it's my brand of story work along with introducing the language piece and, uh, the thing, the reason I, um, have it set up this way is there's a start and an end. It's not, it's not meant for me to be your mindset coach for the next 15 years. Like Mm -hmm. I want you to have the tools and move forward. Um, 
and that's something that's that's lacking in youth sports. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's the age group? Any like I had a twelve year old go through it who was preparing for she was preparing for soccer tryouts and um, um, I have it adapted also for adults. So where instead of it being a, a parent and um, you know parent child conversation, it's you know fill in the blank with the the significant role players in their life partners, friends, um, coworkers, bosses, um, the questions are only slightly different. So 12 is the youngest. Uh, I don't think any younger than that, um, the goal setting portion and, you know, even asking, where do you feel the most stuck mm-hmm. has the potential of creating more, more problems and solutions I believe that younger than that. Yeah. What, so now as you're talking, I was thinking too, like Olympic athletes, I'm guessing likely have mindset coaches to help them really focus. Um, However, not everybody goes on to be a professional athlete or an Olympic athlete. Um, What do they usually think about their goals outside of sports, as well as inside of sports Mm -hmm. to be like, to look at what they want to do once they're done with the sport? So, so with what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. yes. And so the, when I'm asking this, when I'm asking the question, where are you feeling most confident in your life? It doesn't necessarily mean they're sport. Mm -hmm. I mean, it can literally be playing fetch with my dog. I feel most confident playing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and the goal with that is, is to take wherever they're feeling most confident and spreading it to other areas of their life, Mm -hmm. wherever they're feeling stuck to create unstuckness, Mm -hmm. to create movement forward. Um, and the goals, um, we work through goal process identity on whatever is most important for them. And so, so whether that's school, whether that's, um, you know, sports, whether that's friends, whether that's creating a, creating, um, you know, the goal process identity there so that they can go on and create that same, go through the process on their own. And if they so choose. Um, a, the toughest conversation I've had is with a 17 year old girl, um, where her biggest fear is not having a family relationship that she wanted, like being happy in a family and relationship. And so going through the goal process identity piece for that, like my pucker factor was high <laughs> and stuff like because I'm seeing like the, the flip side of this is creating a codependent, like, like setting goals focused on other people, on relationships, mm-hmm. on family. How do, I, how do I make sure that this is like setting the foundation for a healthy relationship? Mm-hmm. And, so, and so it's not just about finding a partner, but it's also having a partner find you. Mm-hmm. It's also, it's not about getting to know someone it's about them getting to know you. It's, it's not just about lifting someone else up. It's, it's ha- having them lift you up also. And so, um, like, when I hung up, like, when we ended the Zoom call and I stepped back and I, I looked at the dock, I had this, like, huge sigh of relief because everywhere that, that she had gone outward, we'd been able to flip it back inward. Mm-hmm. And the inward piece is where, um, like, that's what you can't control. 
Yeah. Did you, so you flipped it back around to, was there story work then that was also involved or just with the goal setting, bringing it back into internal? It, it was just, it was mm -hmm. just the goal setting and bringing it back internal because we were, we were future casting. We were dream okay. casting. So there, so there weren't any, uh, I didn't see, I didn't see it relevant to go through the story work process with mm -hmm. titling out and, and writing it out. Um, she had done the perfect day exercise that included, um, you know, future relationships or mm -hmm. ideal relationships. And then, and then, um, just asking questions. Okay. So, so if you want to be loved or you want to love someone being loved back is, is part of this. Mm -hmm. And so how do you create that? And then if it became me conforming to, to you, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> mm -hmm. is that really, is that really, and so um, that's where the that's where the conversations went. And at the end, um, it was a it was a huge sigh of relief. I asked her like, "Hey, can we share this with your your parents?" Mm -hmm. And I go, "We'll just cut and paste this portion out of the document and and put it in the, the group text." And she's like, "Oh, definitely." And so like for her to be like confident in that was also was also uh, a sigh of relief for me. Mm -hmm. Having been one of those 17 year old girls who thought that life was all about getting married and having kids and the relationship there, like to have been told by somebody at that age um, that my life could more look like how it does now would have saved me a good amount of time of like second guessing myself and being like, am I on the right path that I should make the right choices and depending on Lance to help me be happy versus me realizing, oh, this relationship's only really at its best when I'm okay with me and I'm taking care of me. So yeah, that's huge to be able to offer that too, to a 17 year old girl who, because that is a story that so many young girls are handed to like, your life isn't about you. Your life is about pleasing somebody else and raising a bunch of kids. So that's so huge too, to be able to help her flip that. Well, to, to also have the conversation about flipping the perspective mm -hmm. without saying the perspective is wrong. Right. Because it is okay to want that. It is mm -hmm. okay to want a family and to like, like that's at some level, like if that's what you're wanting, what you're desiring, what you're, you're feeling, um, it, it's right. Mm -hmm. But how to do it, like, like how do you create a strong, a strong relationship without sacrificing who you are to be, the relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Is, I mean, so many women get lost in, in the role, like back to service and sacrifice, they get lost in that role. So you're teaching her to create the role instead of fall into the role. So that's, that's really cool. We need more people. We, we need more conversations like that with all kids. So keep mm -hmm. having them. <laughs> no, for sure. Um, for sure. And, and for me to have that conversation in 2018 would have been impossible would have been would have been like boom <laughs> i'm a dude i'm a coach like we if you want to go hit tennis balls hard or lift something heavy we can do that but ooh, <laughs> bottle that shit up and like, <laughs> take it somewhere push else. it down, push it down. <laughs> <laughs> um cool so where can our listeners go to find out more about you and your programs so um I have two Instagram accounts. Um, coach underscore Clint underscore L um, is is me. 
talking to you guys. So when I scroll through my followers, it is lifted coaches, kettlebell, kettlebell people, mace people, and, and um, everything that I'm putting there is for me to stay connected um, with the people I, I, I love. Um, athlete underscore first is just um, me talking to um, potential, potential students. Uh, me putting out there what I'm what I'm doing. Um, everything on Athlete First shows up on Coach Clint just because, um, just because I wanted to. And <laughs> um, there's something else I'm doing. I, I do what's called the First Thursday, um, and it's uh, parent info, and it's a free thing, and it's stuff that coaches get taught that I believe would be useful for parents to know. And so the, the, the idea of growth mindset versus fixed mindset, you know, praising, praising kids for what they can control as opposed to something that they are. Um, teaching parents how the, the, the difference in upregulated and downregulated. Uh, uh, execution versus decision. It's a 30-minute call. Uh, the first Thursday of the month, I'm getting back into it in March. And uh, the goal is to be known and trusted with parents so that they want me as a mindset coach. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that I didn't do well in the past was throw that out there, throw out a pitch included <laughs> in this, in this free information. And um, that's what the goal of it is, is, is to be known and trusted with good information that will have a positive impact. Uh, take what you want, throw the rest out. Um, yeah. First Thursday. Very cool. By the time this comes out, you'll have already started. So first awesome. Thursday, parents, <laughs> parents, mm -hmm. go check it out. So, um, well, how would you recommend our listeners start their own pirate life? The idea of being free. And so um, being free, I believe, is also the opposite of being scared. And so if they're something that that scares you healthily <laughs> run towards it <laughs> let that excitement build um, but if there's something that scares you media wise work wise life wise um, limit that and, and be free just reminded me of a quote your quote where I was talking with you about how fear and excitement the body has a hard time knowing the difference between them and you said something I think it was fear is excitement and I run toward excitement and I was like oh yeah that's a good one <laughs> I just shared that one with a 12 year old last night uh, <laughs> she mentioned um you know something about being scared or I'm not scared I'm like oh it's good to be scared same as excitement run towards it <laughs> and she like cocked her head it's like you do that I'm like, yes I do <laughs> <laughs> um all right, we have one more final important question for you. Um, and I hope you know the answer to, get to this. <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do you know any pirate jokes? So I have one. Yes. <laughs> and it's only funny if everyone answers it in turn. Okay. Because of, yeah, in turn, in turn. And okay. I, you might have, you might have even, you might have even already done this one. Um, but I'm like, I don't care. I'm doing it again. No, this is, I saw you post and I was like, this is new. I don't even know what the answer is. No, <laughs> <laughs> no it's, it's, it's simple. And it's only funny if you do it. 
What's your pi- What's the pirate's favorite letter? R. Oh. <laughs> I got it wrong. I screwed it up. Rewind. <laughs> no, no, R. And, uh, R. <laughs> everyone's R is a little different. Uh, wait, Crown wants a redo. Let's do this. Yeah, we have to do a redo because I didn't even get the right letter. That, I, that was dumb. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Edit. What's the pirate's favorite letter? R. R. <laughs> I, I do have one. I do have one more. Whatever. Using only two letters, how does a pirate laugh? Don't I don't know. R D R R. See two new ones. Two. <laughs> so. Oh, well, this has been great, Coach Clint. It has been. Um, a long time coming. I'm frozen again, aren't I? No, no, you're there. Okay. <laughs> oh God. I edit that too. I don't know. So much editing for Kristen. Um, anyways, uh, I'll short and sleep. Sweet. It's been fun. <laughs> I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for this, for this opportunity. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, subscribe and share with your friends. You can also find us on Instagram at Pirate Living Podcast to keep up with the latest episodes, awesome guests, and bonus clips. Pop in and say hi. We love chatting with fellow pirates. You can also reach out to us to learn more about our individual and group coaching programs. And keep creating good trouble.